You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? You're listening to the Victory Bells podcast. Yeah, it's made with bits of real banter. So you know it's good. With the latest in everything Red Raider sports. I almost numbchucked you. You don't even realize. Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Here's Will McKay. You know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. And Matt Clare. Hey, guys. Oh, big golf, huh? All right. Well, see you later. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I am Will McKay. Out here in the LBK, as always, joining you guys and uh, my main man, Matt Clare, joining you guys from down there in H-Town, as he always does. So uh, I guess first off, uh, what's up, my man? How you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing good, Will. How are you? Man, I am uh, doing pretty solid. Can't complain on my end. Just got done watching, uh, or I guess not watching, listening to a little bit of... Uh, Red Raider Baseball, those guys finish their regular season at, or not their regular season, excuse me, their non-conference portion of their regular season now, and they're 38 and 13 overall, so uh, good to see that, and uh, got finals this weekend, so uh, they got the weekend off, and then they play West Virginia and Lubbock to finish off the regular season, so everything going uh, as planned there, so yeah, man, I guess, you know, that's going on, and then everything else with me is just kind of as, uh, as as scheduled, man, everything uh, everything going easy for you? Yeah, man, just staying busy uh, doing this recruiting thing and, uh, you know, keeping up with a two-year-old and an eight-month-old. So uh, life is hectic, but but it's fun. Well, I am not keeping up with a two-year-old or eight-year-old. Uh, I don't have either one of those running around as far as I know. So uh, you've got me beat on that where, you know, you're a busy man, but I always love hearing what you got going on and all those things. And uh, speaking of recruiting, that's where we're going to kind of start things off tonight, especially with uh, a big weekend going on this weekend here in Lubbock. We're going to have a, I don't know what you want to call it, a junior day, and a, a, a visit weekend in general, I guess. Uh, I, I guess what would you kind of call it, Matt? I mean, everybody likes to refer to these sort of things as junior days, but I think I think the timing for a junior day is long past. I mean, uh, a lot of these guys are already into spring football or starting, you know, later next week, and so um, a lot of these guys consider themselves uh, seniors already, if you will. And so uh, I think I think really based on what I've been told is is they consider it an offer week. I mean, a lot of these guys that you see coming, they've recently received offers, and the coaches said you know that they want them to come and visit. And, you know, obviously, especially look at uh, uh, Zach Addison or Quincy Addison. I mean, he's coming from Angleton, Texas. So, you know, he's bringing his mom, his dad, his uncle, his cousin. I mean, you know, he's got a lot of people taking a long trip with him to Lubbock. So, uh, I mean, I think these are kids that are seriously considering the opportunity at Texas Tech. And so uh, I think the coaches put a lot more stock into that versus having – 22 kids there, you know, the majority of them either underclassmen without offers or, you know, kids without offers currently. And, you know, I guess you could argue that either which way, but, you know, from what I've been told, you know, they would prefer, you know, the smaller group of kids that they've targeted, kids they've recently offered versus, you know, the larger, you know, uniform junior day, which, uh, you know, by now a lot of those kids have been through that and that might not be appealing to them. Yeah. And I think, for a lot of people that don't really know 
what goes into a junior day, especially I think at bigger schools when you look at you know A and M or Texas or, or Oklahoma and, and the Southeast, especially when you look at schools like LSU or or like Alabama, um, they're basically kind of events where you just kind of herd in like 60, 50, 60, even 100 maybe kids in for a weekend and kind of give them the general tour, wouldn't you say? More so, that's kind of what junior days I in mean, general are. Yeah, I would compare it to like if, if anyone listening has been to like a career fair or a trade right. show. I mean, you're being paraded through an event versus, you know, being, you know, actually shown around by personally by one of the coaches and introduced to, you know, what your interests are uh, throughout the campus and throughout the city, if you will. Um, there's a big difference between a junior day and an actual unofficial visit where, you know, you just pick a weekend and go spend some time with the coaches. Right. And I think that's what, and, and you and I have, have, you know, really riffed on it quite a bit before where for tech, there's just not a whole lot of return on investment when it comes to pure junior days because it's just so hard to get that, you know, 60, 80 kids out and just run them through the ringer and just say, hey, here's what our program is. And it just makes more sense. And, and you've really seen, I think, Cliff and the staff, especially in the last year and a half, where they'll bring in a, a handful of kids for a weekend and then really try to spend as much time as they can with that handful of kids. And, and, and we've heard it in, you know, comments from kids, you know, when talking to them as far as those kind of visits where, they always make a comment where they're like, you know what, I went out to Tech for this unofficial visit, you know, in the spring this weekend, and it was so much, you know, more intimate. I got to have one-on-one time with the coaches, and I think that's something that means a lot to a lot of these kids. Oh, 100%. And I think that that's why, I mean, I think that's why the coaches feel the way that they feel, and, and I know that um, what's right around the corner are more camps and more events going into the summer uh, with both 7-on-7 seven seven and uh, the the various satellite camps, and I know Texas Tech will will do their part uh, around the state. I know that that's important to them, but I mean these this weekend has just been described to me by by those uh, around the program as as offer weekend, not junior right, day. Yeah. You know, these are kids that that they're seriously considering, and you know, obviously a lot of if you go into up and down this visitor list, I mean, a lot of these kids were offered very recently. And, and they're kids that, that we may or may not have been talking with for a while. And then, of course, you have Jack Anderson and Dawson in there. And so that, that gives you another leg up on, you know, just talking with these guys and showing them, you know, the type of familiarity that they already have within the program. I mean, those guys have probably already visited at least a dozen times by now oh, yeah. uh, within the past, you know, year. Yeah, no, and that's the thing, I think. Anytime, I think, when, uh, when Tech's going to try to have one of these weekends where they bring in, you know, uh, four, you know, five, six, seven, eight, eight kids that all have offers. I think they really want to try to have, you know, Jack and Dawson there to kind of be the pitch man, you know, if you will, for what the program's doing and to kind of show these guys around because it's a very unique thing, like you said, where these guys have visited so many times that they kind of know really, I, I think, the ins and outs of Lubbock and what to do, you know, from a prospect standpoint than I think a lot of these coaches do. No, I agree with you, and um, I mean, I mean, we really just have to wait to see. I mean, they they do, but it's interesting to me that um, you know, I just every time I check in with Xavier, you know, he said he can't make it again this weekend. I know he's got stuff going on, 
uh, of his own. But you know, it'd be it'd be nice to see him get back in the mix and and kind of see these guys. You kind of see it every once in a while, but you see them recruiting some other guys. And yeah. I don't know. I guess you know some people could say take that or leave that. Uh, but you know, as the quarterback, you usually see and maybe maybe it's silent, maybe it's behind the scenes, right? But maybe you, you're used to seeing a little bit more. Um, I don't know, a little bit, a little bit more outgoing or, or um, in your face type of recruitment from the the quarterback prospect. Yeah, I think so. But but don't you think part of that as well is that he's a guy that's in San Antonio instead of in Houston or Dallas. So I I mean I, I think he's definitely recruiting guys and talking to guys some. But I think part of that too is is he's not in either of those metroplexes. So I think in general he just doesn't know as many of the big time guys. No, I mean that's fair, and um, in, in terms of in terms of all that, I mean it's not really a big deal, and and maybe being in San, San Antonio, you know, does make it different. But I don't know, this kid showed out at, at that opening camp and and ran a laser like four three six or whatever it was. I mean something insane, well, the fastest ever for a quarterback. At yeah, so I mean I, I just I feel like. Uh, I feel like he's going to continue, you know, adding the adding the stats, adding the accolades as the year goes on. Yeah, for sure. uh, but but for the most part, uh, I think he'll get his due. Uh, but that's that's a kid that that I'd like to see get back into town or, sure. or bring some of his guys with him from from that area. No doubt, no doubt. So so now that we talked about the the two committed guys that are going to be here this weekend, uh, let's go a little bit into the guys that are just visiting. So. Uh, the first guy we'll kind of go into is, is offensive lineman Grant Pauley, and uh, a guy that was committed to Kansas up until this last week, a guy from, from Denton, who I'm sure I haven't asked him, and I can't remember if we have, but I'm sure he's very familiar with, with Jack and, and with uh, with Dawson. But, um, but yeah, a guy that's coming in this weekend that's starting to get a couple offers, and uh, I think he's you know one of those guys at the top of the list right now for Lee Hayes. Yeah, I'm a kid that recently decommitted from Kansas. I think you had covered that, but um, I mean, we talked about it before, I believe. But you know, Denton, North Texas, that area. I mean, straight shot on 114 to to get over to Lubbock. I mean, it's not close or easy, but I mean, it's four four and a half hour drive. And so there's, I think there's a lot of kids and a lot of you know former alumni in that area. And so I think that that. You know, maybe that gets uh, oversold or undersold, depending on who you're talking to. But I'm I'm from that area, and and I would say that it's it's you know it's very much true. So um, I think it's very much more tech centric than a lot of other places in the metroplex. Yeah, I mean, just I, I just guess you know, like I said, from a variety of ages, from a variety of alumni. Um, you know, when I had first graduated, I, I lived back in Dallas, and and I noticed it a lot. I mean, of course, I'm in Houston now, so it's not like we don't exist, but. Um, you know, it's a lot different down here, but just in that general area, like I said, there's a lot of kids that, that go out to Lubbock. And so not only just from the sports angle, uh, but also just from the sheer amount of kids going there every year. So, um, you know, he had a lot of good things to say to Drew uh, about the offer, about the opportunity with Texas tech. But since then, I mean, he's continued to add offers, Arizona state chimed in, uh, tonight, and then Cal offered the other day, right after he decommitted from Kansas, um, San Diego State, 
I was right after Texas Tech, Colorado, Boise State. So, I mean, he's just continuing to pick up a lot of offers. And, I mean, he's got Kansas State. I mean, a number of other offers, Purdue, Houston. So, I mean, you keep going down the list, and, and I don't think he's done. So, as, as long as the open contact period is, is here, I think he'll continue to, to gain some new looks and some, some new interests. So, I'll be – I'll, I'll be looking forward to talking to him and kind of seeing where things are with some of the other schools that are interested as well. But based on his comments to Drew and the fact that you know he's turning around and visiting so quickly, uh, it's got to it's got to make you think he thinks pretty highly of Texas Tech. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, we'll <coughs> excuse me. Uh, we'll also note that another uh, current Kansas commit is Jared Hawker, who's an offensive lineman as well, and, and he's still committed to Kansas, right? Correct. Correct. Okay, that's all right. And uh, Jared Hawker is a guy from Birdville that uh, that could visit this weekend, and he's talked about Texum, uh, another offensive lineman, and he's up in the air right now. But uh, another offensive lineman that I think, just like with, with Polly, I think those are kind of the two guys. If it was my guess, that are kind of at the top of the kind of the wish list right now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, in terms of new prospects that they've offered, right, but guys, yeah. I, and I think that you talked to Hawker himself. I've yep. just been in uh, communications with his father recently, uh, but they're they're trying to plan it. I mean, if they make it, it'll be something that they figure out later in the week. So hopefully, we know. I don't know later tomorrow or Thursday, uh, but but we'll let you guys know. Um, but I mean, just another big kid, and I, I guess with that one, you just you want to get him on campus, you want to make your pitch. But I feel like if if A&M or um, one of these other in-state schools were to offer, you know, I, I think he's going to look at that pretty closely. So like a TCU or a Baylor or something like that, uh, you know, you got the timing of this one would, would be interesting. Yeah. I, and just for, for full, for, for, or not full closure for full disclosure, he's a, uh, he his, his a lot of his family went to A and M, so there is a connection there. Just so, uh, just so you guys know. Um, moving on to the next guy that's visiting this weekend, who uh, has been offered about three weeks ago now, would be uh, Dallas Kimball uh, athlete Devondrick Johnson, who is playing quarterback right now at Kimball, but Tech is looking at him as a safety, and he will visit this weekend. Like I said, and a big kid that's you know six three two fifteen, that's kind of a uh, just kind of do it all athlete that I, that I like a lot and. I think Tech's kind of getting him right at the right spot because he was a guy that was supposed to visit for the spring game and, and didn't get to. So I think he's a guy to be excited about uh, as far as a guy with measurables. And uh, I think he's very interested in Tech, and Coach Jones is really on him right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, Nick Kruger, who's the new uh, Texas analyst, uh, he, he was at a 7-on-7 tournament and had some video of Devodrick and I had seen, you know, just pictures, right? But the video, I mean, when you say 6'3", 215, he looks every bit of it. I mean, he's a big, stocky kid, and I could easily see him playing, uh, you know, playing that big, bad outside linebacker slash like kind growing of into that even, rover yeah. safety yeah, type of role. I mean, he's, he's already doing some of that stuff, and I, I think you're going to see a lot more offers come uh, with Devodrick. I know he has – I want to say it's a brother or a family member that, that plays at OU. Brother, um, yeah. Brother, yeah. And so that'll be something that's interesting. But ever since that we've been talking to him, I think between you, me, and Drew, I mean, he's always had really great things to say about tech, and he's making the visit out there uh, this weekend. So, But, I mean, I would say Oklahoma State's in the picture. I would say TCU's in the picture. I mean, a lot of other State schools too. have been offering yeah. – 
yeah, I mean, Arizona offered recently. So uh, I, I, I just get the feeling he's going to continue to get more and more offers. Yep, absolutely. And uh, moving on to the next guy, which would be uh, Gilmer, Texas wide receiver, LaMarcus Morton, who Tech is looking at as a corner. So uh, interesting to see that. And another one of these guys that I think the coaching staff is projecting is what they want him to be at uh, at the next level. And, and another guy that has picked up a couple of offers here uh, here lately and a guy that I'm interested to see uh, just kind of what he's all about, you know. No doubt. I mean, with the East Texas kids, you never know. And uh, maybe they got a chance to get out there and see him play. And, I mean, at, at cornerback, maybe they, you know, the coaches clearly know what they're going after. And it's, you know, it's a it's a kid that's 6'1 and above. And uh, obviously they're, they're going to have to be pretty quick. And, and I haven't been able to study Lamarcus's tape that much. But I know in East Texas, they've got to play both ways. They've got to do a variety of things. So I'll be interested to you know, watch his tape and learn a little bit more about him. And, and I'll be going out to East Texas for the, uh, uh, I think it's ETFM. Uh, yeah. 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 Our old buddy, uh, Mike Graham. that works out there, uh, Mike Graham and, and his dad doing the photos. So I'll, I'll see those guys and, and I'm sure that LaMarcus will be out there, but another, another one where you offer like a week or two weeks ago and they're yeah, already visiting. Weeks, think, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, that was his first big 12 offer. Um, and his first big in-state offer. So um, you've got to think timing could help you there. Um, and if it's a guy that the coaches really want, um, it's a good thing to see uh, the additional offers, whether they're from you know gigantic schools or not. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And, and moving on to the last guy visiting this weekend, which would be uh, safety Zaquincius Addison, who goes by uh, Quincy and uh, – He's a kid I believe was offered early mid last week. A kid from from Angleton, and uh, so so I don't know if you know more about him, Matt, but I don't know a ton about him. So I'll kind of let you talk about Quincy a little bit. So the first time I met Quincy was at the uh, the Texas Team Elite Seven on Seven tryouts down here in in Houston. And you know we've talked about uh, Texas Team Elite before. You know think of it as uh, select seven on seven. They've got. Uh, eight to 10 teams here in Houston, one in Waco, uh, and then another four to six in Dallas, and then one in the, the golden triangle area. And, um, he was in there and, and there's, there's, I mean, there's four or five star kids out there and he's just talking the most S of, of all of them. <laughs> and, uh, and he's, he's just, this was like, you know, back in the, in the summer of last year. And, and he was talking about how he didn't have any offers, but he would have offers and, you know, he's not worried about these receivers and blah, blah, blah. I mean, these are rivals 250 guys, Darian, Lamb, uh, and, and, and others. And, and, and so, you know, I, I like the fact I remembered that. And yes, he did not have any offers. And, um, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't lying there, but I just, I like the fact that he was very confident. I think you need that in your, your secondary, right? I mean, you need the, oh, you need the guy like, Jay Sean Johnson that plays like he's, you know, hair on six fire. five. Yeah, yeah, hair on fire and all, all that. So, you know, I liked what I saw from him that day and I just that that always stuck with me. And uh, you know, just a kid that continues to develop. And so I, I live down here, I live pretty close, so I am gonna be getting down there and I'm gonna learn more about uh Mr. Uh, Addison myself. But another one where, you know, he turned around pretty quickly and um, you know, and and set up the visit and that's the kid I remember I had talked with him uh he said that he grew up a fan of Texas Tech and I believe 
he is cousins or something with Jonathan Giles anyway. He, he knows I the, think you're right, yeah. Yeah, so I'd have to go back and check. That was either him or Joshua Moore, uh, but I'm pretty sure it was it, it was uh, Quincy. So I'll go back and look. Either way, uh, quick turnaround, coming to visit Lubbock, and just another one where you know, maybe timing works in your favor and mm-hmm. you know the whole family comes up and they enjoy it and, and he decides to make his commitment. You never know. Yep, yep, you never know. And uh, just looking at, at, at the guys visiting as a whole, and you see three DBs, and two offensive linemen when you when you count the committed guys. So I think it's pretty obvious what the the priorities are for this class, which is uh, build more depth on the offensive line and add more DBs that really kind of fit the mold of what Tech's looking for, which uh, is you know like I said, the bigger DBs, the physical guys, and and you know for, you know from from who I've talked to around the program, they said they want more. Uh, DBs that have a little swagger to them, some guys that get more physical. You know, like you said, those J. Sean Johnson guys, guys that are physical and really fit what they want to do. So I think all three of those guys fit the bill, uh, with Johnson being a guy that's, you know, a 6'3", beefy safety. Like you said, a, a guy like Quincy Addison that's a uh, 6'1", 6'2", guy, you know, that's got a little swagger to him. And then uh, Morton, another guy that's a, you know, a supreme athlete that's a six foot plus guy uh, at corner. So, so I think those are all three guys that, very much obviously fit a very similar mold of what you know the coaching staff wants yeah and i mean i just think you look back to this time last year and that's when you picked up kids like demarcus fields um and and kids like that 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 i feel like really just stayed so quietly under the radar uh just for whatever circumstances i mean fields was a kid that uh finished you know top 10 in the state in the i think the 100 or the yep, 200 100 yep and, and, you know, just another kid that has that size and, and that speed to where, you know, they can get him in there and they can coach him up and, and they can make him, a, you know, a, a, a backup. They can make him into, you know, somebody that plays early and then, you know, bring him along, develop him. So I just think that for right now, you got to be patient. You got to see who the coaches go after. And it just feels like with some of these kids, they're going to be able to shower them with the, with the love this weekend and, and really kind of pour it on. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, what happens with some of these, uh, you know, offered kids that are all in town for this weekend. Right. And I think, too, a lot of that, the philosophy, especially with all these DBs and a lot of these defensive offers in general is, as you've seen Gibbs and Spavital target guys that have a lot of measurables and, and maybe they be they may be projecting, uh, you know, as a player that, that hasn't played that position before and uh, they just really like the raw talent. And I think that kind of comes from, and this is just kind of my opinion, but I think that's something that very much comes from Gibbs's NFL background, where I think that's the biggest goal for NFL coaches, and I think that's a big similarity with that. I agree. But, um, but other than those guys, you know, those guys all visiting this weekend, I think that of any visit weekend that Tech's had in a while, I, I think he's, Tech probably sits the best with all the visitors as a whole than maybe they have with a visit in a while, you know, like, like as far as, you know, where they sit with every single guy pretty high up there. All right. Well then let's look at those four and I'll put, I'll put my pick in. I'm going to say, uh, Quincy Addison is the, is the commit in my opinion. I think he could be followed by Morton. And then I would say Polly three and Johnson four. And I say that because Polly and Johnson, I feel like they've got so much more going on in their recruitment and unless there's something I don't know about Polly and his connection to Texas Tech, you know, uh, we'll see. But 
yeah, I mean, I, I like what I see of him. So if he's yeah. ready to commit, then that would certainly be good news. But then last, I, you know, you talked about, I think out of all these kids, Johnson's blowing up and I think it'll continue. So I see his process, you know, going going a little further. But I think the coaches will continue to, to make him a priority. And I think for me, and I'll, I'll do it from one to four, I would say uh, Quincy Addison one, I would say Morton two, and then I would say Johnson three, and then Polly four. That's just kind of the vibe. I get. I, I think you can kind of inter- interchange them at three, four, but uh, but uh, but but excited to see how their visit goes this weekend. Um, looks like Tech may also get a couple of guys in uh, next weekend, which would be uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma. Uh, DB Cameron Curl is a guy that's going to visit next weekend, and then Arlington Oak Ridge uh, wide receiver Bronson Boyd are two more guys that are going to get in next weekend. So we can briefly talk about those those two guys a little bit too, Matt and. Uh, I think with Bronson, I think that's a guy that Tech sits very, very well with. Uh, offered him about a month ago or so, I believe, and really, I think he's he's really liked what he's you know heard from Tech, who's a a guy that's one of those bigger outside receivers. And then uh, with Curl, he's one of those recent offers by Spavlo in Oklahoma. So uh, I guess you're just, just kind of your thoughts on both those guys. Well, I mean, when it comes to Boyd, we've we've talked about Boyd. I think that. Um, it's pretty clear, you know, the ties to Texas Tech are there, and there's really been no hurry to visit. He's got problem this weekend, so I think that he is uh, just making sure everything goes well with problem, and then uh, next weekend maybe he can get out there. But uh, mom went to Texas Tech. She's uh, she's recruiting for the Red Raiders a little bit, but that's a kid that continues to add new offers as well. So uh, we'll see how much the coaches like him and uh, see how much they push him for a, a decision. But I like, I mean, I like what I see on the surface here with Cameron Curl. And we, we talked about how they're going to go after the state of Oklahoma, but another 6'2, 180 pound safety. And you go through the offer list and you got to like what you see. I mean, there's a lot of schools in the mix here. And, you know, this time of year, I'm sure a lot of this isn't updated. So, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other schools after Curl and the fact that he's visiting, uh, you know, a week, two weeks after an offer uh, says a lot as well. Yeah, ab- absolutely does, and uh, just in general, excited to see uh, what if anybody else you know gets out of the list or or what ha- have you here in the next week or two. Uh, what's uh, what was your prom like there, Matthew? My prom? What was my prom like? Uh, we did junior. I did junior year. Uh, junior year, I went with my friend Lauren, um, and that was fun. You know, it was junior year. Never did a prom before. I think that was the better of the two. Senior year. Went with this girl named Chelsea, and she was kind of emo, uh, but pretty, <laughs> and I don't know. It just it just wasn't that much fun, but had fun with my friends. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. These days I feel like prom is, is a lot of uh, – I, I guess maybe I don't know if it was that big of a deal when I was in high school. Yeah. Like right now it seems like, you know, there's promposals and there's, uh, you know, all these – kids getting dressed up crazy like i mean we had our tux from the store and you know you, you matched it with the girl's mm-hmm. dress color and all that we didn't we didn't really go off and and make a fashion statement so i just yeah. thought that was kind of funny yeah i didn't do that either when i and it's been eight seven eight i guess seven eight years since my prom uh my senior year and that mine was the same just match the girl dress and all that kind of thing and my i mean and yeah, we had like the party bus and the limo and stuff. Yeah, that yeah, that's cool. what we did too. But I think that was the only real expense, other than you know your attire. Yeah, that was that was it for me as well. Um, 
Yeah, I, I just, uh, and speaking of like prom pros and all those things, mine went, uh, hey, you want to go to prom with me? And that's about, <laughs> that was all how it went. Yeah. So, wow. But, uh, real smooth, Will. Yeah, I'm not the smoothest conversationalist, and I will be the first one to admit that. So, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, that's it this week for tech stuff. Well, kind of. Uh, I guess our next subject we wanted to get into was. And depending on who you are, you'll either love it or you will want to hit us over the head with a frying pan. So uh, we're going to get into a little bit of this Big 12 um, expansion talk because it's kind of heated up here the last two weeks, I guess I would say, now that the Big 12 heard from uh, that research firm that they have a much better chance of getting into the playoff if they have a 12-team league with a championship. Uh, and that's basically the best, the better formula than what they have, and I think anybody would tell you, duh, that's obviously the better formula. But the big question has been, what are the two or more schools that Tech goes after, not Tech, excuse me, that the Big 12 goes after, and really kind of has some interest in, and there's been some things kind of come out here, The I guess it came out, this is Tuesday, and uh, some documents came out that revealed that uh, West Virginia President Gordon Gee had kind of been busy kind of looking around at a few schools, uh, Houston in particular, and just some interesting stuff about how we all kind of thought this was all kind of like, yeah, right, you know, who's talking to, nobody's talking to Houston or Memphis or, or any of these schools, but uh, but Memphis, you know, now is also making a very big push, and uh, supposedly uh, the number is $500 million is what they said they would put towards, you know, their athletics and and academics to you know make them a, a better part of the Big 12, and a lot of that has to do with FedEx and uh, FedEx backing Memphis, which is why they're kind of an attractive option, I think, for some people. So, uh, yeah, it's just I, I don't know. I just think when you look at Houston, that's that is even to a, a lesser degree as far as uh, prestige of the program. It's the same thing as whenever the Big 12 decided to add TCU where, you know, TCU at least had been winning Rose Bowls and, and you know, is is a school, I think, that is uh, much more prestigious and, and is, a, is a very different school than Houston, where Houston is sort of a commuter school a little bit. And while, they, while they've had a good history in, in football, I would say, you know, you, you think about uh, all the guys over the years and, and, you know, when they had those offenses in the 90s and were just shredding people and, and when Andre Ware was the quarterback. and mm-hmm. And then you think about now with what they're doing, uh, you know, they're just in a great location to recruit, and they're always going to have athletes because they're in Houston. But Houston is, out of all these schools, is the one that hurts you and everyone else the most in the conference, you know? Well, yeah, and you, you couldn't see a situation where current in-state members would no say, way. yeah, let's add an, another college to compete with. So I, I don't see that one happening, and I know that that's – you know, I get it, right? If you're the if you're Houston and you're uh, the president and you're the chancellor and you're Tom Herman, you know, of course you got to take your at-bat. you got to try. So I don't blame them for trying. But, I mean, if if, if that were to happen, if, if, if you're a tech fan and you're listening to this, I mean, it's just like – it really diminishes a lot of the value that you have over that in-state program now. And, and let's be honest, like you said, they're trending upward and they're already landing recruits. You're already competing for recruits Directly. with them now. And and so anyway, I mean, I, I think it would be uh, everybody says, oh, well, he'll leave. He'll do that. Well, that new contract says if they were to get into the Big 12, like he gets a 
I don't know, he gets an automatic raise yeah. and he, he begins to make big boy money. So I don't know. It's not as cut dry as, as you think. But then again, you know, what what about any of conference realignment has been what you thought it would be, right? I mean, it's all been yeah, surprising. It. It's all been like, whoa, that's happening. I mean, so to me, I don't think, and, and I think you saw uh, some of the regents from OU uh, mention this the other day. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze going from 10 to 12 Hell teams. Hell no. No and, way. And, and not only from a TV contract uh, position, but just from a, you know, ability to get in the top four. I mean, what a, what a crock. I mean, they paid $1 million to, to this uh, firm to, to come up with this, you know, consultancy um, in this report. I mean, they could have come to redraidersports.com and started a thread uh, <laughs> and that said <laughs> OT – uh, you know, conference realignment, and and it could have gone for like four to six pages. So, and yeah. that would have been that would have been only uh, nine ninety five a month. So, yeah. But the, the the craziest thing to me though is so in in this report, these documents. So Gordon Gee, who is the president of West Virginia, uh, he flew out to Houston on November 29th and toured their facilities, met with Houston president, uh, met with uh, athletic director uh, Hunter Yurichek, and then met with you know Tom Herman and. It was just really interesting, like, the detail it went into, and, and they, you know, gave him this big uh, spreadsheet, gave him this big presentation on on Houston and all these things. So it's not like he was just there to, you know, f- test the waters. Like, this was like a, an official kind of meeting, which is the craziest thing to me. Well, there's also the uh, CEO and founder of Camden Property Trust. Right. So that guy's got a few zeros behind his name and so i think you know you saw that too with the memphis uh thread of that article that the the ceo of or the the president of fedex FedEx also basically put his checkbook behind uh there and and i could see memphis i think that would be i think that makes a lot more sense in houston way more way more sense in houston yeah and I know that it might not be the sexiest pick, but if you're going to expand, I'd be okay with that one because it gives West Virginia more of a at least somebody who's closer to them regionally, um, and it gives you know Big Twelve fans somewhere else to travel. I mean, Memphis, Tennessee is a pretty cool place, yep. um, so I'd be okay with that. Um, and and you know they've had recent success in both football and basketball. So um, I guess on top of that, you know I hate to say it, but I'm kind of one of these people that if you're going to do Memphis, you might as well do Cincinnati. And then you'd have kind of like that complete region. And and if you talk about, you know, areas in the Southwest or areas in the Midwest where you don't have TV presence now and that you could help expand. Well, I mean, Ohio and Tennessee are are two great markets for you to kind of tap into. Exactly. So if you get, uh, you know, if you get those guys plugged into the the Big 12, I, I just think that, you know, where I would like to see change is I would like to see some of these schools step up. And, and if they're going to complain about something or they're going to, you know, request change, you know, OK, if we're going to take, you know, because they're basically going to be taking a risk. If we if we go with Memphis and everything works out and the FedEx guys, you know, donate a bunch of money and we do this that and the other, you know, how, how far does that get us? Um, yeah. and, and, you know, what's our, what's our next plan. And I, I really think that, you know, some of these schools should really say, if we're going to do this then we have to do it the whole way and we have to create some sort of a big 12, you know, network or some sort of a big 12 channel that incorporates everything that this conference is trying to do. Because at that point in time, if you're back to 12 teams, then you're really going to have to start selling it. You know, there's gotta be oh, the yeah. whole, 
conference, you know, jargon and, you know, there's going to be all the pundits that are talking about it. And so then you got to get in there and, and now you got to, you're going to have, uh, whether they want to call it East and West or whatever they do with it, North, South. I mean, you're going to have divisions again and then you're going to work towards a uh, championship game. So to me, that would be the, you know, very exciting part of it. But then again, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways to, to look at these situations with realignment, but that would be my go-to is, you know, Memphis I'm cool with, Cincinnati as an add-on, meh. But, I mean, at least when we talk about facilities and stuff, they're they're reinvesting in that. They are, you know, making them priorities. So yeah. you can't say that compared to some of the other options. I do think, though, and I think in an underrated way, I think UCF is a sneaky choice that is that some people look at that and they just go, oh, God. But, I mean, I think that I think it's a much better uh choice than maybe a lot of people think where i think ucf is the isn't it the biggest public school in florida i think i'm pretty sure it's bigger than florida state and florida both it might be uh surprisingly uh two of our national analysts are graduates of ucf, UCF. if i if i remember correctly so yeah it could be i just don't know that much about it it's just, i know that, that i know that weren't they the ones is that ucf or usf the where they're building the stadium with like the indoor pool or Beach area or something. I think it's UCF. Okay. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah, yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but but UCF is another school that that accomplishes that goal of you getting into a market that you're not in. And that would just be a, another interesting one to me to add a school like that. But, but, again, the thing with Memphis is, too, and I think you can look at it from this perspective where with Fred Smith, who's, who's you know, the CEO of FedEx being – a Memphis alum and saying he'll put all, or I don't know if he's an alum, but he's saying he'll put all this Memphis behind this money behind Memphis in the Big Twelve. Can't you kind of look at that as him as an investor in a way? You know. I'm sorry. Say it again. So, uh, Fred Smith, who's the chairman of FedEx, and right, has, right. and has oh, said yeah, he'll yeah. pledge all this money. I think you no, can kind of look, you look at him as an investor. Like you know what I'm saying? More so that, and you can look at it from that perspective. No, I mean, I think you can, and I don't think that accounts. I think he also said a, a premium or top sponsorship level with the conference itself. Um, so I, that's what I mean. Like, that's that's what makes that attractive. Plus, when you consider the fact that, you know, they're, they're having success in multiple sports um, and, and just the fact that, you know, it it gives you another region and, and it and shows, you know, some some – faith or some attempt to West Virginia to at least kind of, you know, extend the olive branch a little bit. Right. Um, but, but also, like I said, Memphis, Tennessee, I mean, there'd be worse places to take a road trip to. So, um, I think, I think I like that one. Um, and yeah, I think you absolutely have to look at it as an investor. And and that's why I was saying the, uh, the guy from Camden property trust was at the Houston one and then they've got Tillman Fertitta too. I mean, so, I just, you know, there's a lot of momentum there. They're already redoing the entire locker room at UH over the summer. So, I mean, but that would just be, if 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 it were UH, I mean, that would just be bad news, you know. I mean, I've been to that stadium. I live here. Like, that's not, that's not Big 12 football to me, you know. Like, that's not. No, not at all. No. I, I mean. It's, it, because they've just, U of H, it, it's, it's like, it's very much the same as SMU to me, where, if anyone said that SMU is going to be the next member of the Big Twelve, people would laugh. I mean, you know. 
Yeah, well, and it just it doesn't make any sense. I mean, no, that's not why sense. you yeah. you know when SEC when the SEC invited A and M, they, they did so because they immediately planted a flag in Texas and you know grabbed a gigantic uh, you know program in, in Texas A and M, and the same can be said for Missouri. Now. I think A and M is one of their two or three biggest you know fan bases now in general. Absolutely, but I mean the the fact that they're in Texas, I mean that said a lot. And then Missouri is no small fry themselves, and so you know all that was done for a reason. And and I just I hope that, um, you know I, I hope that that maybe these guys are learning from their mistakes. And I know it's a lot of different people that are in charge now, um, but just based on reading that article, it just kind of makes you nervous about what will happen next because you know where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's just been a lot of smoke lots, lately. Lots. Yeah, no, there's lots of smoke, and my thing is at this point, too, if you're going to add two and get to 12 at this point, do you go ahead and go, go to 14 and just call it a day so you're ahead of the curve a little bit? I mean, because I think if you're, if you're going to add two, I think you, you, you go with Memphis and you go with Cincinnati and you call it a day. Uh, if you add four, I mean, do you go... Uh, for the other two, do you go like UCF and UConn? Even though I think people talk about with UConn how that's like a, grabbing a big, a big market. Well, the thing is, those people could not care less about football, and it's a basketball school that I just don't think adds near as much. Because because how many people up in the Northeast are really what like paying attention that much to UConn athletics other than basketball? Uh, would you say that to Dallas Cowboys first round draft pick last year, Byron Smith? From UConn, would you I say mean, that to his face? Probably not. But <laughs> just kidding with you. Um, no, yeah, you're right. But, but you I know, mean, if you think about it from a basketball aspect, and that that plus Memphis, and then you know UConn getting a bump in the over there in the East, being now in the Big Twelve versus you know what what are they in now? The AAC. Oh, okay, yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, but I mean, I think in the dream scenario too, if you add another i mean doesn't it make the most sense to add byu uh, i mean wouldn't from an athlete from purely from an athletic standpoint i mean that is a school that makes the most sense because they're always good at both football and basketball i mean yeah but i don't know there's the the byu thing it, it, they're always gonna i feel like they're gonna make more money being independent and they already have their own channel too, and 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 they are already making their own money. So how does that fit in? And you know, what does the rest of the conference think about that long term? Yeah, no, and 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 the hardest thing with them, obviously, too, is with the religious aspect of getting over that they won't play games on Sundays. So baseball and and basketball, or not basketball, but like baseball and softball and all these other you know non revenue sports, it kind of is a thorn in their side with that. Uh, but but I just think that too you tap into a group of people that's a national fan base that's unlike anything else you would have that that you can add you know. True, I just I don't know. It's like it's like we talked about earlier. I mean, you didn't you didn't really expect a lot of those other moves that were made a few years back, and um, you know to to truly make an impressive move, you know the Big Twelve would have to shock somebody, but. You know, based on what's out there, I mean, that's it, right? But they paid the million dollars, they had the study, they crunched the numbers, and it doesn't sound like uh, it doesn't sound like much is going on, but it just seems like a lot of 
different reports are coming out and more information is coming out. And based on everything, if you can find somebody, uh, Memphis, Yukon, uh, Cincinnati, UCF, I would like all of those over Houston because oh no doubt I just don't see why you would introduce that. I mean, you might as well create the Texas League uh, while you're we'll at it. I mean, it makes no again. sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No, it makes zero sense. But the crazy thing is, and just rewind all the way back to that summer, which I think it was that that, that summer of 2010, where. Missouri was beating, you know, the drum of all this stuff about how they had an invite, an open invite to the Big Ten, and and that's just like the crazy thing to me to think back on it. That was kind of the opening, kind of the opening shot and the opening volley in all this thing that kind of triggered all this. Yeah, and that's what makes you remember that you can do it in a number of different ways. I mean, now fast forward, and the Big Ten has Maryland and uh, Rutgers, and Pitt. right? So, yeah, yeah so. Uh, I, I mean, I think that I think the Big Twelve will probably have options. Uh, but you know, if you had your time machine, you'd go back and instead of TCU, you'd have maybe a Memphis and Louisville situation, and maybe you could have add, you know added on to that. Um, well, that but, was well, that was the rumor that it was Louisville and and Texas didn't want Louisville, so it, so TCU was the school that got picked when OU and Tech and. I believe Baylor all voted against against adding TCU. So it's just like why, 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 why? Like it makes zero sense that they ever added TCU and didn't add Louisville instead. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, you know. I guess time will tell. But I think it it's funny because then they just turn around and hire the Louisville coach. What a year later. Yep. 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 Funny <laughs> how things work out, man. Um, I don't know. I, I guess. The, the like the dream scenario for me is that somehow if you're the Big 12 you convince a couple of these ACC schools to jump ship which the only th- only way you would ever do that is you would have to guarantee them a, however much you know money from uh, a TV network which isn't ever going to happen until you get rid of te- Texas's Longhorn network which has been a total and utter disaster and I think it's just proof that no matter how big you are of a school, I just don't think any individual school's network is ever going to be successful. I just, uh, I, I, just I just don't think there's enough content that you can put out uh, in a week because think about how much like that uh, Charlie Strong and all those guys have to do. And I remember even when uh, Mac when uh, Mac was still the coach that they talked about behind the scenes how much that he was. Uh, you know, complaining and, and got mad about how much, you know, he had to do. And that was just part of it because he was Matt Brown at the University of Texas. And um, that's just kind of the situation that would rise up at Alabama with Nick Saban. Like, like how much how much time do you think a week that Nick Saban would let the Alabama network, like, or the, the, the Roll Tide network, like, have with him, you know? No, I mean, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, I think it just depends on the coach. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like Urban Meyer took a year or two or whatever it was off from coaching, and now that he's back at Ohio State, I mean, where was he when he was not coaching? He was at ESPN. And so I think you, you've you seen him be very open to the media, um, especially the, the, the higher-ups. And, you know, let's be honest. I mean, Tech, uh, Tech and Cliff and those guys, I mean, they'll uh, – 
they'll absolutely, you know, they love the stories that are written by the national guys and the guys that, that come and check them out. I mean, they definitely show them love and, and they show us a lot of love on the, on the local side and the recruiting side, no doubt. Um, but a lot of those coaches gravitate towards that. So I don't know, I, I guess more of a, a give and take there, but, um, We'll, we'll just have to see what happens. We absolutely will do that, and we will leave Expansion Talk there. So uh, that's it for Expansion Talk this week. Join us again next week. At- <laughs> if you haven't jumped off of a tall building by yeah. now, uh, join us next week. Yeah, it's oh, it's it's, it's just so exhausting because it feel, I feel like now every year at some point it just pops up, and you're like, oh, here it goes. Like, here's, here's the day. Here's the day when it all pops off, and then it just kind of doesn't, which is – uh, just kind of how it's it's happened since all that went down in 2010 and 2011. But uh, we'll move on to something uh, that we want to talk about more that's more enjoyable, and that would be uh, well, well. Let me preface it with this. So uh, less so yesterday. So we're filming this. We're not filming. Excuse me. We're recording this on Tuesday night. So speak Monday, for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so on Monday night, I uh, I had a buddy that it was his birthday. So. Went out and grabbed a, a drink or two with him and then came back to the house and uh, was about 10.30, 10.45 and decided to sit down and watch the uh, the Golden State and, and uh, Portland game. And, uh, you know, Steph, it was his first game back and, and really hadn't uh, really hadn't done anything. He, he wouldn't shoot anything. In fact, there were already vines up of him missing, like, airballing shots, you know, early on in that game. And then it was about late – and I'm just kind of spitballing here, but I remember late in the fourth quarter, he finally hit his first three of the night, and then he just went on, he went on one of the greatest, I will say this, it is the greatest individual tear in basketball that I've ever, like, watched live a player a player go through, uh, where he just went on this insane run in the fourth quarter and brought them back and forced overtime, and then scored 17 points in overtime, which is the most of any player ever regular season, postseason, doesn't matter, uh, and just could absolutely not miss. And he outscored the the entire Trailblazers team. So it is just like th- there are very few opportunities for us to get to see transcendent moments uh, in sports where a guy kind of legitimizes his legacy. And that was one of those moments for him that – I just think that's what it was. It's just so cool for me, anyway, Matt. When I get to see those kind of things, because I know those are moments that I will remember. You know, when I'm 50 and 60 years old, and I can say, you know, I I was there when that happened. You know, and that's one of those things that your kids ask you about. You know, what, what was it like to get to see that happen? It was just it was just so cool for me to get to see that last night. Yeah, I mean, I I was uh, I was asleep. I didn't get to see it. I woke up to the barrage of tweets and uh, videos and and whatnot. Um, but man, I mean, when you get a chance to watch him, you have to, I mean, he's just, he's turned into such a complete player. And, um, I, you know, I think it's a tremendous story, um, from a a three-star kid that went to Davidson college, uh, to a back-to-back consensus, uh, MVP of the league. And, you know, for all we know, um, could be a, a back-to-back champion as well. So I don't know, man. I mean, I think that uh, I think, like you said, I mean, he's he's at the top of his game right now. You're seeing things that have never been done before, and you know, just you know, from from guys that understand basketball, I mean, the fact that you've got a guy that you know just doesn't miss. You have to respect his shot, 
and then he has easily the best handles in the NBA right now, um, you know, dribbling wise. Um, he, he can just, you know, get you on your heels so quick, just with a, a quick shot fake that, you know, it kind of makes it unfair and, and add to that, you know, I, I feel like he's got above average speed and is just really comfortable, uh, getting the ball into his teammates' hands. And I just, you know, you haven't seen, you know, a type of player like him. I mean, you can't, the, the cool part is you can't really compare him to anyone. And, no, he's his own and, thing. There's never been anyone like him. Ever. Yeah, and, and, and the guys, they just he just steps up. And so, I don't know, that, that uh, to me, you know, I'm going to be paying closer attention as the, the playoffs go along because I need to stay up and, and watch that as it's happening. But um, I remember as a kid, I remember watching uh, the Pacers and the Knicks uh, in the Eastern Finals or the Eastern semifinals. Yeah, semifinals, yeah. And uh, I remember uh, Reggie Miller. And I don't remember the exact you know time that was left, but I remember he hit like those three threes, uh, or I think it was eight or nine points he scored in in uh, you know twenty seconds or less, something like that. And it either tied the game or put them ahead. But that's when he did the the famous uh, choking of the yeah you yeah know, mimicking them choking. Uh, but I just thought, oh my God, Reggie Miller's the greatest <laughs> ever. You know, I mean, I was like jumping on my bed. That was so awesome. So um, it sounds like it was one of those moments. But yeah, you know, that's yeah. I think that you know. It's the same with every sport, but especially basketball. In the playoffs, uh, after that first round, you start to get some really cool matchups, and you start to see, you know, the better coaches start to, uh, you know, arise, and mm-hmm. you start to see some of the smaller decisions and the strategy actually take part in the game versus a regular season game where maybe that stuff's not as out there in the open. Yeah, no, no, it, it's it's so cool to see, and like you said, and just like we're talking about, like. There's just nothing more cool for me, like I said, than than to get to see what you know, you know, as the game ends, as what was already an instant classic and is a game that, you know, at some point could have its own documentary or will at least get some kind of special about, you know, that game. And I think that's what last night was uh, for him and for the Warriors. And I, I just think back to, uh, in, in the NBA, it's kind of a different animal than in the NFL or in the major or in major league baseball, I think in major league baseball you can see in the postseason like there are some like dominant pitching performances um, that you can you know harken back to. But I think in the NBA more than any other sport, individual guys can just take over a game and can really just dominate unlike anything other. Where they just have these like I said earlier, you know, like these transcendent performances and and the ones you know that I've seen in my lifetime in person or not in person, but, but that I've watched, you know, in my lifetime, like, like I think back to, uh, the 2011, uh, Western conference finals, uh, when Dirk had 48, you know, you know, in, in that game against, uh, against the thunder, you remember what I'm talking about? I I think I do. Yeah. When, and that, and after that game is when they just kind of rolled on and then won the, uh, you know, won the, won the championship that year. And, and, uh, just, that was one of those games that really kind of solidified Dirk's legacy as as a Hall of Fame player because I think before that, a lot of people would have told you he was kind of a borderline Hall of Fame guy, and that was his moment where he kind of took the reins and said, "All right, here's what this guy is, uh, and you know what he's going to be," and uh, just a really cool moment for me. Um, another really cool one was uh, this. This kind of in the in the same vein was in. Uh, the 2007 Eastern Conference Finals when LeBron had uh, 48 points against the Pistons and uh, he scored 
I think 25 straight at one point was something like that in double overtime. He won with, you know, he, like he hit the game-winning layup, and that was one of his big moments. Then you think about, like, the Michael Jordan, um, the flu game. You know, like that's his his kind of shining moment as far as one of his big moments. So I, I just think more, more so than any other sport that basketball really, really makes it where these guys can have these wild individual performances. Yeah, I mean, but – I guess kind of coming full circle, Steph Curry, and that was that was cool because there was that seated out that he was injured and you didn't know the severity of the injury and and he gets in there and now there's no doubt. I mean he's he's ready to go again and and he's going to start this next game. So yep. I'd expect them to to go through into the the conference finals and uh, you know it'd be a pretty tremendous matchup between them or uh, it's looking now like the Thunder, but possibly still the Spurs if they can pull out the the next two games. But yeah. they're down you know down three two right now going back on the road. But either way, that's going to be an incredible series. And and if you ask anybody. I mean, the Cavs are. I mean, the Cavs are playing well, but there's there's nobody that they have to play in the Eastern Conference in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's they try to. Yeah. yeah, they try to you know sauce it up a little bit, but it's it is what it is. Nobody's getting excited about the Heat versus the Raptors, and I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Are there any like just that off the top of your head, like, and I know you already mentioned you know the Reggie Miller, but. I guess, are there any other just, like, sports moments that you're like, I remember, like, watching that, like, when I was there, like, individual performance like that? And not just basketball, just anything. Well, I was going to say, you know, a big thing that, that changes your perspective is, you know, what if you think back to, like, game six of the World Series and, you know, that ball goes flying over Nelson Cruz's head, oh. you know, that's... If you're if you're a Cardinals fan, you're like, that moment was yeah. so tight, you know? And if you're a, a Rangers fan, you're you're ordering a scotch, you know, or a, a oh, shot of a bottle of bourbon, dude. <laughs> so I'll give you my story for that. You know, story time with Will for that individual moment in time. Me and my buddies uh, had a couple of buddies over, and you know, was, was so excited about that game because you knew if they won it, that was the World Series. And and I know the same for you, man. But for me, I've been a Rangers fan since I was five years old. So mm-hmm, after. Mm-hmm. Struggling through all of the bad years and all of the BS like, that we had to go through. And it was like that individual moment and things were going well. And you get down to one strike. And, and I will just tell you that down to one strike, I was, you know, sitting on the floor in my, in my living room with me and like seven or eight other buddies. And uh, was, uh, was, was Freeze the one that hit that ball to the wall? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. So uh, whenever... Whenever he hit it, because I knew it was going to, like, as soon as he hit it, you knew it wasn't going out and that it was going to be a pot fly of some kind, like a deep fly out of some kind. So as soon as he hit it, I, and, and y'all can call karma on me for the rest of time. It's probably my fault that the Rangers lost. But I stood up on my couch with both fists raised in the air because I saw Nelson backing up, backing up, you know, to make the catch. So, like, in that end of, like, moment before he missed it, like there was so much joy in my heart, and there's never been an individual sports moment in my entire life where it's gone from like top of the mountain to the bottom of the ocean in like an instant. So, yeah. um, but I will say there were a couple of dishes 
in my living room that got broken immediately after that happened. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't a good night. Uh, I would say though, you know, uh, being in college in the the early aughts to the mid aughts, uh, you know, the the Mavericks weren't always the best. Uh, obviously, the Spurs were making their heyday, but being in college and you know being buddies with other kids from Dallas and thus you know all being Mavericks fans, you know, I remember. Uh, several nights at, uh, you know, like you said, at a friend's house, uh, everybody getting together to watch the game, um, even in those early years where, you know, maybe they were getting to the second round or something like that. And then I remember, uh, you know, when they gotten really good, you know, going up to like Oyster Bar, stuff like that yeah, to watch yeah. some of the games. Um, but I, I mean, I still remember back when they lost to the Heat and having a big, you know, party for those yeah. games and thinking that that thing was over, you know, um, and then having to wait a few years. But, but man, it kind of made it worth it whenever they won that championship. I mean, that was cool. I mean, that was because well, they were the they underdog, won- too, and that's always the cool thing, like heavy underdog. In the final well, game. absolutely, but but just getting to uh, just getting to see Dirk win that, I mean, that was pretty cool, and just the way that they had won it, um, and just yeah, it was kind of good versus evil, you know, as well when you think about the the Miami Big Three. Yeah, no, because that was the first year they were together, right? Yeah, first yeah, year first they year were together, year. and you know, a- after those last few years, every every Mavericks fan hated the Heat anyway, yeah. so it's kind of good to. <laughs> to get one back on him. Yep, that was absolutely cool. Um, I mean, a transcendent thing that I'll always remember, and, and this is like a duh for anybody that went to Tech or anybody that was at the game, was the the 08 game. So I, I was there, and I got to see that all happen in person. So that was really, really cool, and that's something I'll always remember um, for the rest of my life, just as like probably like as far as being in person, like the, the best atmosphere of, of a – a game of any any sort I've ever been at, um, but uh, I mean, there's just it, it's just cool to think back on, on some things that happened. Um, the, yeah, the, I was at I was that, at that one, um, and the only other one I'd say that that matches that is uh, when we were in the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. Oh yeah, and came back on Virginia. That was pretty awesome to be there. Oh, you were there at that one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I see. I was a little. Bit I mean, tons there. of people left, so we got to like upgrade our seats yeah. big time. And then we walked downstairs and we did that, and then all of a sudden they started coming back, and uh, it was pretty sweet. People were going nuts. Yeah, cool, cool story, I guess, along those lines for me. So in the uh, the inside bowl when they made the comeback uh, against Minnesota the year before, um, so I was in high school at that point, and you know just just full just full you know disclosure, my whole family all went to Tech, and it was you know all that. So so we were all so we were watching the game, and it was during. Uh, it was it was whenever school was out for for Christmas break or whatever. So, uh, you know, I was up, up watching with my parents or whatever, and then, you know, they got down by you know three touchdowns, and I was like, man, screw this. So I just went to go hang out with my buddies and you know didn't watch it anymore. And I remember getting home about twelve fifteen twelve thirty, and I walk in the door, and my parents are sitting on the are, are sitting on the couch like at the edge of their seat, and I'm like, what are y'all? Because this is in 2000, that was in 2006, so nobody had, you know, phones where you could check up on the scores, and if you weren't listening to it on the radio, you would have no idea uh, what was going on. So I just walked in the house, and my parents were just glued to it, and I walked in the door literally as uh, as Tralika kicked the game-winning field goal, so that was uh, that was just kind of cool to see, but... Um, 
but yeah, just always cool to reminisce on, on cool sports moments and, and just kind of the cool stuff you got to see. But uh, we'll go ahead and move on to our last segment for the night, which we're going to answer a couple of you guys' questions from uh, inside the Double T over at Redditor Sports on the message board. And just had a couple questions this week, and uh, let me see here which one we will go with first. Okay, cool. Uh, I guess this is kind of a cool one, a little off topic uh, from Mr. Root says, since it's baseball season, what are the best slash most impressive stadiums you've been to, uh, college or professional, and what's the best stadium food you've ever had? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I went to Wrigley as a kid, but I can't really use that. Um, impressive stadiums. We'll expand it beyond baseball to just any stadium. No, I know, but I mean, I have been to... Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I've been to anything impressive. Um, I did. Where did I go? I'm trying to remember. Um, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say. For me, it's uh, the coolest thing I ever, I've ever gotten to experience is I got to go to a game at Fenway a couple years ago, and that was just really, really cool for me getting to experience that and, and just. That is cool. And for me, it was more about because I'm kind of a history nerd anyway, so. It's always cool for me to kind of go places like that that has so much history and, uh, you know, got to do the tour and all that kind of stuff. And they talk about, like, because the cool thing is the the seats behind, uh, some of the seats behind home plate are the original seats from, like, the 20s and 30s. So it's really, really cool, like, where those are and things like that. Um, So so that was really cool. Uh, As far as food goes, I mean, I'll I'll be honest that, I mean, being in the media, my basically my whole adult life, I've really never gotten to experience that much stadium food other than catering, which is, to be honest, most of the time better than stadium food. Yeah. Um. So I can't speak to that as much, but uh, I've been to a lot of baseball stadiums. I've been to I've been to Fenway. I've been to old and new Yan- Yankee Stadium, both of which suck. Um, <laughs> I mean, old Yankee Stadium was cool just being there because you know like the history of it. New Yankee Stadium is just, like, the most, like, uh, corporate BS, like, no, like, vanilla, like, no flavor to it at all stadium. Like, it just it uh-huh. is not impressive at all. Um, but I don't know. I guess another cool one is is, is Bush Stadium, which is where uh, the Cardinals play. Don't get me wrong. I hate the Cardinals. Yeah, I've heard but, great things about it's, that. it's awesome. It's really cool. And I got to go when they were playing the Cubs, so, so that was really cool. Um. I mean, I, in terms of college stadiums, I, I might have told this story before, but my little brothers went to Arkansas, and the thing that impressed me most about their stadium is that, you know, when I was at school at Tech, I mean, the baseball team was just okay, and maybe that's changed. Obviously, you cover the Tech team a lot more right, closely, right. so, you know, maybe the games are rowdy or there's a big crowd, but that wasn't ever, like, a big thing to do while I was in school, and, you know, as I talked to my brothers over the years, they're like, oh, well, you know, there's everybody goes to the baseball games, and so... I was like, okay, you know, let's let's check it out. And so um, the coolest part is all the students and, and all the folks that are there, you know, from that age group, they all go in through the outfield. And there's not seats. It's just a big open area. And everybody brings lawn chairs, blankets, coolers, and you can bring in uh, beers. All you have to do is pour it into a plastic cup. And, you know, there's, like, security guards and stuff. But for the most part, well, it's like... You can booze as much as you want, basically. You can, yeah, you can bring in an entire 30-pack of Coors Light and just hang for three, three and a half hours. 
So, I mean, that's, it's pretty cool. And, and, uh, I really enjoyed, uh, hanging out out there. I mean, it was basically you tailgate the entire time and you're just out there in left oh, field. Cool. Getting lubed up in left field. Classic. Yes. <laughs> Hell yes. Um, but cool. Um, also from Mr. Root and, uh, I don't know if we necessarily have an answer for this, but, uh, who is the most likely late qualifier, JC or graduate transfer, to come in and uh, fill the spots left by Ellison and Castaneda? And uh, Kyle Mitchell is the guy that visited recently, and mm-hmm. I would say he's really the only guy really on the radar right now, wouldn't you, as far as that? Yeah, that's it right now. Um, he just spent this past weekend at Missouri, and then he had mentioned a possible visit to UNC. A lot of the other late uh, targets, you know, they started getting uh, offered by really you know, large schools like Auburn, you know, some of those. And, and so maybe the interest in tech was there at one point, but Which maybe they Linwood moved on. Boys like that, right? Yeah, I, th- I think that's the guy I'm referring to. Uh, but, I mean, that doesn't change the fact that that's the type of kid that they're going to want. And you might not get the next, uh, you know, superstar, uh, but you need some depth. And so that's really the, the main point there. I mean, Castaneda we kind of expected, but Ellison was a little out of left field. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and really, you're just kind of looking for another, if if you're being honest, another Paul Staywars type guy, a guy that you just need uh, as depth and kind of some scout team bodies, really, right now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and and that's why they're going to look to the late qualifiers, and they'll also look, uh, you know, at some of the kids that that maybe do a graduate transfer. But again, you just kind of have to wait it out on some of those. These kids have really until the end of May to decide where they want to go to school. So they don't have any specific timeline uh, in terms of the near future. Yep. And yep. Yep. No doubt. Uh, our next question comes from coffee Raider who asks which big 12 football team other than tech had the best off season and why? And I'll let you think about it for a minute. And I will say um, that I think she, I would say probably Oklahoma just because, I mean, at this point, I think they're just kind of rolling as far as what they kind of expect going into this year. Uh, you got, you know, for them, you know, they got who they want at quarterback. They've got, uh, you know, their studs at running back. They got a couple pieces on defense. Now, they're going to have to replace some guys um, at the same time. But I'd also say, just to be honest, that I think Texas had a really, really good offseason and maybe to a sneaky extent where, you know, fit, finished really, really well in recruiting and had a great class. And really looks like they may have found the real the real guy at quarterback in in Bouchelle for the future. Now obviously he's gonna be a true freshman this year, but uh, I think they've got some stuff kind of going on. And I think if you're if you're Texas, I think you kind of feel good about the direction of things. And that's kind of I, I think probably Texas would be my pick for best offseason. Well, you you first said Oklahoma, then you took yeah. my answer. I was going to go with Texas for a lot of the same reasons, and I think that you know even if Bouchelle's not the guy, I think that they've got guys there on offense that know what they want to do, and they've worked in this system, and it's something that the, that maybe Texas was trying to do over the years, but just really failed at doing. And so uh, it'll be interesting though because. It's like we talked about on the podcast last week. They only had one player drafted, and really there are no offensive prospects on that offense right now that are just, you know, all world, all everything. Yeah, unless they're freshmen. John Burt would be the only guy out of all those freshmen I think could be that. 
Well, sure, but you got Vahi and you got Connor Williams Patrick on the Vahe, line. Yeah, that's but right. but I guess those coaches, what I'm saying is they're not afraid to play true freshmen. You see that on the defensive side of the ball as well. And you saw certain games where they were able to shut teams down uh, when they had things going the right way. And so I think having a good offense and even having an offense that has the ability to score quickly or you know get the ball down the field and, and give the defense a break – you know, can change things up for them. I, I think that's the ultimate goal. And, you know, in terms of off seasons or changes that they've made, you know, I'd had to say that, that, that they, you know, are, are one of the teams, but, you know, I guess if I had to give another example, you know, maybe I'll get booed off the stage here, but I would say Baylor as well, you know, um, off the field, no, right. On the field. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, on the field. I mean, I, it hasn't affected recruiting, it hasn't affected, you know, any of that stuff. And so they still have, I mean, just a, a handful of, of, you know, highly rated kids that are already committed to them and another handful that are strongly considering them. So um, the the success that they've had on the field is uh, they, they've parlayed that into recruiting success yeah. as well. And so uh, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, uh, you know, anything can happen. And I know that they're trying to reload right now too. But in terms of who had the best offseason – uh, I'll go with those two. Uh, I'll kind of go further on this too and say worst off season, and not for any particular reason, but I will say I think maybe West Virginia had the worst off season because you lose, like because I think we all thought they had a bunch of really good players on defense, but you get five of them drafted. And West Virginia is not really a school that I don't think's built to just replace all those guys. And then on offense, I think there's not really any big playmakers on that offense. I don't think uh, uh, Skylar Howard's anything like special as a quarterback. So I would say the worst would be West Virginia because I just think there's a lot of questions there, and I think Dana is very much on the hot seat with them. Uh, yeah, and and I don't have any like worse. I mean, I think you kind of covered it. I don't know you know, what will happen um, with some of the other teams in the league. But I, I would say one other team to look for is you've got a new coach at Iowa State. And, and I think that those guys have come in and uh, they've added some kind of youth and, and some of the, you know, social media and, and some of the, the, the different recruiting tactics, you know, modern recruiting tactics that, that we see nowadays. And, you know, they're starting to make an impact, maybe not – you know, nationally just yet, but it looks like in that region they've been able to pick up some quick commitments, you know, more so than, than you've seen in the past for the Cyclones. And I know that they're going to come into, uh, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth and, and Houston and the rest right, of Texas right. as well. I think on top of that, too, I think they have a lot more talent on offense than a lot of people people realize. Um, when you have a guy like Alan Lazard as a wide receiver and, uh, oh, what's the running back's name, who is really good. Uh, can't he, had, remember. he had a big day against Tech last year and was kind of a sneaky good guy last year. But they've got some talent uh, on offense, and I think they're a team that could make uh, maybe a little bit of a push forward uh, next year as opposed to where they've been. So, so yeah, that's kind of what I think about those kind of things. So, uh, last question comes from CE Grad 2013, which is, does Tech, try to hold, does Tech try to hold a more traditional junior day for the next few years, even with the reimplementation of a satellite camp? Um, I mean, I just don't know if they'll ever call it a junior day. I mean, we talked about it. It's location. I mean, you can, 
I mean, not to beat the drum again, but you can if if you live in suburbia, Dallas, Fort Worth, you can wake up at six a.m. and you can uh, you can go to uh, the the you can go to Starbucks and grab a coffee and a muffin and hit the road and be in, in Waco by nine thirty ten o'clock. Uh, if that, I mean, it might not even take that long. And then you can do the junior day and you can stay there for two to three hours and then you can turn around and be home in time for dinner. Be back by six o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and that's the same for Austin. That's the same for college station. That's the same now for Houston, um, to an extent for, for some kids, uh, down here regionally. Um, and, and, you know, of course, TCU and SMU, uh, you know, they can hold junior days because a bunch of kids will freaking show up. Um, you can't just say, all right, guys, the doors are open in Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> See you on Come Saturday. Come on down. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you can, right? I know Joe Robinson is uh, doing his thing in West Texas, and you know maybe you can do something like that. What I would like to see, and I don't know whether it's legal or not, but they always have the regional track meets in Lubbock. And I wish that somehow the kids – Well, kids have visited before when they've been up there for track meets. So then I guess what I'm saying is if they know that that's coming, they need to coordinate some of that and make sure that they're getting these kids, uh, whether it's an official you know, tour of the football facilities, at least something to where they have an introduction to Texas Tech and some of the tradition and, and some of the opportunities with the football program so that they can compare that to other opportunities. Yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Um, well, I guess uh... – that's really kind of it this week for the podcast. Unless you've got anything else you want to uh, you want to put out there before we close this bad boy down. No, I'm sure we've just been blabbering for way too long already. We have been as we <laughs> do every week. Uh, we went over our traditional hour as we always do. So uh, I guess with that being said, we'll go ahead and call it a podcast and wrap a bow on this thing. So once again, you guys are listening to the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will McKay. He's Matt Clare. Thanks so much for listening and hope you guys have a great weekend. See ya.